You heard it earlier this week. Mayor John Tory is proposing an increase to police funding by $48.3 million this year, which will set the police service budgets to the tune of more than $1.1 billion. Is this the answer to addressing the increasing safety concerns in the city? Well, Timothy Bryan is an assistant sociology professor at the University of Toronto and examines hate crimes, police responses, and racism and joins me now. Thanks for joining me today, Timothy. Uh, thank you so much. The money uh, will be allotted and used to hire 200 more Toronto police officers, but you say um, that there are no studies linking policing to less crime. Tell me about this. Yes, of course. Um, one of the things that we know about crime and crime rates, for example, is that crime rates vary um, dependent on a, a number of factors. So it might be factors about how we live, how we work, how we interact with each other. And levels of policing, police numbers, the number of officers, or the amount of funding that goes to police is really only one dimension uh, of what affects crime rates. We, If we think back to 2020, for example, what we saw at the beginning of 2020 was that crime rates in in in, in many areas, whether that's assaults or, or violent crime, actually decreased at the beginning of 2020. And you might think, well, why did that happen? Well, if we think back to the beginning of 2020, where were we spending most of our time? We're spending most of our time at home, right? And so this shift in 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 how people were living and working also impacted you know, uh, crime rates and 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 violent crime in, in particular. But what we also saw in 2020 was that the rates of things like domestic violence or hate crime increased. And we might think, well, of course, that's also a function of the fact that people were spending much more time at home, and in some instances, were unable to leave their home to escape, you know, issues of of violence. So, what? So when we think about rates of crime and we think about levels of policing, I think what we really need to do is question sort of this one-to-one -one link that more police automatically means more safety, that increases in police budgets mean decreases in crime rates. We have to think critically about what that money is doing, what are the, the public safety issues that the city is facing, and what are the most effective ways of actually meeting those challenges. Uh, and, and so that that's my concern is that that increasing police budgets alone doesn't do the rest of that work. Now, you know, I think those are all valid points, Timothy, you know, but when mm -hmm. we see the crime that's happening in the city, the increased crime on transit as well, there are those that will say, well, 200 more officers on the streets will mean that officers will be able to get to emergencies quicker. They'll be able to get to violent incidents quicker. Is that not a part of solving this problem to get us back to being Toronto the good? What would be your response to that? Uh, that's a good point. And, 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 and I think my response is that, you know, policing can be part of the solution to addressing the public safety issues that we have. Uh, but I think it's really important for us to think about what we think those public safety issues are. And Sometimes the issue is not the number of police officers we have, it's how we're using them, where we're deploying them, how quickly we're deploying them. Perhaps there are different ways of 
doing policing that might produce more effective policing. Because I think that at the end of the day, that's what people want. People don't necessarily want more police. They want more safety. Yeah. And I think that, unfortunately, you know, we live in a culture and in a society where our ideas about crime, our ideas about safety are often linked one-to-one -one with police, such that it's impossible for us to think about safety without thinking about police or thinking about increasing safety without thinking about increasing police. And I think that what we've seen over the last few years is an attempt by many within local communities to perhaps think differently about this equation. And, and, and maybe there are actually different ways of meeting those needs. And if, if the concern is that, you know, police are overburdened because of the numbers of calls for service uh, and, and, that, and, the, and the number of calls for service make it difficult for police to provide effective service to, 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 to all people. Well, perhaps there are ways that we could use the expertise of police differently. Maybe police don't need to attend every single call for service. Perhaps there are areas, you know, that we could remove police from so that police can more effectively address the more serious concerns um, that many have in the city. And, and this the discussion of that, Timothy, do you, do you yeah. have any, you know, what would be your proposal of how we could potentially use the police service differently and more effectively? Right. And, and this conversation is actually has been ongoing for, for some time. And yeah. many have been, been pointing out that um, and the police themselves have pointed out in the area of responding to people in crisis, for example, um, the police have said that perhaps they are not the most uh, the, they are not the best equipped to respond to these kinds of calls for service, right? Uh, so perhaps there are opportunities to have others who are better equipped respond to these calls. And the net effect of that might be to free up police to do other things. For example, you know, we think about um, less serious or, you know, uh, motor vehicle collisions, right? That, that happen on the streets of Toronto every day, multiple times a day. And, and often what happens is, you know, a call is made to police, you report it to police, which is sort of the standard process. Um, but in the vast majority of, in, you know, cases, there are no injuries, there's no serious damage, there's no serious harm. Um, but perhaps a police officer doesn't necessarily need to attend that. Perhaps the expertise of a police officer could be better spent somewhere else. And so this might be a way of more effectively using police resources without necessarily increasing budgets or hiring more police. Um, so, 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 th so these kinds of, you know, suggestions um, have actually been talked about. And, and I think some of the frustration has been that there hasn't been as much traction in these areas to make policing more effective, but yet police budgets have continued to increase. Yeah, they continue to go up. I have to say, Timothy, if I was calling the police for a matter that I thought it was an emergency, I would be kind of disappointed if somebody else showed up. <laughs> you know, like I, I, I think it's an emergency and I want to see a person in a uniform, you know. But I understand that when it comes to certain things like uh, mental health uh, situations, you know, there has been an increase of around $12 million put into the Toronto community crisis service, 
which sees mental health experts instead of the police respond. Do you think that is a part of the approach that we need to go with, especially when it comes to wellness calls uh, and mental health calls? Because obviously we've seen that the police do not handle those situations well. Yeah, of course, of course. And I, I think that, again, I think that that is part of the solution. Uh, and, I, and I think to your point earlier, and I think that the, the, the point is actually very important that you raise, is that people in the city have very different uh, experiences with safety, yeah. right? And very different expectations and different desires. So for example, a small business owner has a different concern about safety perhaps than you know, uh, somebody who works the night shift and needs to take transit to, to get back and forth from their home late at night which might be a different security or safety concern for somebody who is precariously housed, or it might be different for students, for example. So I, I think, I think you, I think what we need to understand is that safety is actually not one thing. And because it's not one thing, I think we need to have strategies and responses that actually are tailored to the kinds of public safety issues that people experience. Right. And, and I think my concern is that, there is often a knee-jerk reaction that assumes that policing is the solution, is a kind of catch-all solution to all of these problems, when actually the solutions might be different. And and so to and, and, and to and to the point that you raise about finding alternative ways of dealing with um, wellness calls, for example, um, I, I think that that is a is a helpful, productive first step. But I think that we have an opportunity to think more broadly than just wellness calls, right? I think there's an opportunity to perhaps rethink how we do public safety altogether. Uh, and I think one of the most frustrating parts for some is that coming out of 2020, out of the murder of George Floyd, there was a lot of discussion in the city, in fact, about what an alternative to police might look like, what, what effective public safety might look like moving into the future. And I think the frustration, frustrating thing is that we seem to arrive back at police as the solution all the time, right? When there may actually be some other ways of doing it. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to return with Timothy Bryan. He is an assistant sociology professor at the University of Toronto. Talking about the uh, police budget, do we need a $1.1 billion budget for policing? How do we look at that maybe a little bit differently in the city? You're listening to Toronto This Weekend on 640 Toronto. We're back with Timothy Bryan. He is an assistant uh, sociology professor at the University of Toronto and examines hate crimes, police responses, and racism. We all heard the news earlier this week of the proposed increase to the police budget of $48.3 million this year, uh, moving that budget up to a tune of $1.1 billion. Uh, John Tory says that part of that budget will go to 200 new frontline police officers. Here's a clip from him. This budget will ensure that 200 new uniformed officers will be on the streets this year, along with 90 new special constables. I've had discussions with the police chief to make him aware of the fact that the money that we are prepared to see invested will accommodate that kind of growth in the, in the number of men and women who are on the streets helping to keep Toronto safe. Timothy, you know, you were talking before the break, uh, essentially about triaging, you know, how we look at safety mm -hmm. and, and maybe approaching it differently. Let's talk about the conversation around trust when it comes mm -hmm. to certain communities and the police. We all remember the scathing report that came out last summer stating that the police had used disproportionately more force 
on black, indigenous, and people of color than in any other group. Is it fair to say that some of some of that is also fear of this increased police presence without fully addressing the problem of racism that's in the force as well? Absolutely. Uh, because uh, one of the things we have to remember is that police are a public service, right? And that service should be delivered to all people, irrespective of you know, what they where they come from, what language they speak, what they look like, et cetera, right? And so that, it, it, and so part of the mandate, the mandate of effective policing in this province, in the city, is for that policing to be done in a way that ensures that people feel that they have equal access to police, that they can call on police, that they feel confident with police, that they don't feel targeted by police, that they don't feel that they will be deemed as a suspect, if they call police, right? That is part of the role of police. And I think the frustrating part is that we have mountains of data by this point that show that that isn't happening. And what continued investments in policing do without changes in policing is that they are in fact an investment in a particular style of policing, a particular method of policing that has had disproportionately negative effects on certain communities. Um, and, and so I think it's very difficult for, 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 for many communities who have had negative experiences with police and don't feel safer by having more police to hear the news that greater resources are now being given to the same you know, organization that has failed to meet their safety concerns. And I think that's what I personally was disappointed about when it came to this announcement, that there wasn't an intentional announcement about, yeah, we have fallen short, kind of like, you know, this past summer when they said we've fallen short, we are looking at uh, recommendations. And yet I feel like that conversation has kind of fallen off the map. And so I think there is a valid concern that these 200 new police officers coming into a police force that hasn't really dealt with some of their root racist problems can be seen as just continuing to spread that that perception as well in their training. And so how do you how do we get to the bottom of that issue and make sure that our voices are heard when it comes to just continuing to have those concerns about how people are treated and that people of color are treated fairly in the city when it comes to policing? I think that's that's a key point. I mean, and I think that in 2020, after the murder of George Floyd, there was a moment in this city and elsewhere, in many cities across the world, where I think in a fresh new way, people were asking questions about what it actually means to have police and to be safe. They were asking these questions in ways that I thought were transformative, that had a lot of energy and that had a groundswell of support in corners that we don't normally see support from. We saw admissions from police chiefs that they had come up short and failed. We saw uh, admissions from the prime minister that we need to do policing and criminal justice different. We saw we saw this across the board. So it was it was a moment that we had not seen in you know the the, the certainly the history of this city where you know often the response is that the police don't engage in racial profiling, profiling, et cetera. And in a few short years later, 
you know, it seems as though, you know, the progress towards having a different kind of conversation about police, about safety, about crime, and about ways of actually meeting the, the, the public safety concerns of this city seem to have evaporated, right? And, and, and I think this is said, uh, this says something, I think, about the kind of durability of the idea of police in, 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 in our culture and our societies that despite all of the concerns that we have seen, despite the number of reports that have been put out showing the effects of policing on some communities, despite the fact that crime rates don't move in lockstep with the number of police officers on the street or levels of funding, we still seem to think that police is the solution. Or many seem to think that police is the solution to the point where you don't actually have to have any guarantees of what this money will accomplish. Like, so for example, the mayor is not saying if the crime rate doesn't decrease, the money will be withdrawn next year. Mm. Right? There, there are no guarantees of increased safety that are attached to the funding. And, 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 and I think this is a, a frustrating point for many. And I think this becomes really a, a, what we have to sort of dislodge. It's this, this, this thinking that assumes that police are this kind of natural thing that always produce safety. Uh, this week, John Tory also made an announcement that there would be 50 new special TTC constables that would be hired. Here's a clip of what John Tory had to say about that. We will provide the funds necessary to hire 50 additional TTC special constables. This is a substantial increase to focus on safety and security on the transit system. So, Timothy, you know, mm -hmm. last year was, I think I heard, the most violent year on the TTC. We heard of numerous violent attacks, unfortunately, two deaths on the system. Uh, when I, you know, hear 50 new constables on the TTC, I think that is not enough for safety mm -hmm. to get ridership up. What would be your response to that? Is, is that a solution, uh, bringing on more TTC constables into the system? Do we need more? How do we solve that problem? Right. This is. A, I think this is a is, a, is an excellent um, topic of, topic of conversation because I think transit transit perhaps is a, is a different kind of conversation than general safety in the city transit is a place where we know thousands of people come together every single day in close quarters waiting for you know trains and buses etc cetera, etc cetera, right so we know that these are so there's a kind of context to to the encounters that take place on transit um but we also know that you know transit is kind of a meeting place uh, of of many different people with different kinds of concerns and different kinds of needs. What One of the things that I would say, what I would ask is, you know, what is the context? I would like to look at what, are the, what is the context of some of these uh, violent incidents on transit? Like, what's the context of them? Um, because one of the things that we want to do is not simply respond to incidents that occur on, on transit or in the city. We want to find ways of perhaps preventing them from happening in the first place. And, and I think this is one of the things that we that can't be lost in this conversation is that police and policing is largely reactionary. It, 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 it doesn't have the same kind of preventative effect um, that I think many of us would like to believe. Like the vast majority of responses 
by police are when things have already happened, bad things have already happened, right? So we, I think that that we there is an opportunity for us to think about what's driving the violence or or the safety concerns on transit. Is it that transit becomes a place for people who may be in crisis? And so when people are in crisis, perhaps around large groups of people, perhaps this is, you know, a, a recipe that that may contribute to some of this violence or 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 perhaps there are expl other explanations. But again, we have to know what we are responding to in order for us to respond effectively. And I, I hear what you're saying. And, and instead of having the Band-Aid solution of reactionary, how do we actually bring true change so that the TTC can be a safe space, that people that are living in trauma or are looking for a safe space have somewhere to go and looking at the long-term effects and how we solve this problem. Thank you so much, Timothy. This was a great conversation and so much to think about as, uh, as we look at these budgets pass in the next couple of weeks. Thanks so much for your time today. Thank you so much. That was Timothy Bryan. He's an assistant sociology professor at the University of Toronto. And uh, you're listening to Toronto This Weekend on 640 Toronto.